We have, uh, last week and this week, we've been going through this very short two-week series on power. And um, the real, actually, you know what's really awesome is it really ties in really well with next week's, the BLI sharing about what God's been able to do and use through them uh, in the Philippines. Because I think one of the things that we, we oftentimes forget is how powerful and how great our God really is. Like, he is so much more fantastic and powerful than anything we can imagine or understand. And we don't even try to grasp that power. Um, it's especially in our day and age when it seems like so many things are out of our control or out of our power. Uh, when we look at things like uh, elections or climate change, it can feel so powerless. In fact, a, a good example that I think of is sometimes when you have your mobile phone and suddenly it's running low on battery and you start panicking, you just think, I need to get power for my phone so that my life can come out and survive. You know, we do have this understanding of how important it is to have this power, this kind of energy. But we don't really understand how do we tap that into our relationship with God, or even seeing and understanding how powerful and how wonderful our God really is. So last week we talked and thought a lot about actually the power of prayer and why it's so powerful and why this amazing relationship that we have with God and this conversation that we have with him not just taps into his power like we use him like some sort of wall socket where we get energy from, but rather we enter into this conversation where he teaches us and shows us what it means to live with the life and the power that he has. This week we're going to actually... talk about power, but we're going to talk about the power of proclaiming Jesus and talking about why it's so powerful to declare the name of Jesus and also to say who he is and what he does. Um, in one of the challenges that we have in a multi-theistic, pluralistic society is it's very difficult to talk about um, your faith with someone else because you don't want to offend them. Um, and so we get very scared. Like, you don't want to say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, I don't believe in that. Or I'm a Christian, I think this is the right, right thing to do, and I think what you're doing is wrong. We're scared to do that because we're afraid of how they're going to react or how someone else is going to deal with that kind of thing. Because you want to say, well, I want to treat all the religions equally, and we're all kind of fair. And we don't seem to have this ability to negotiate or to con- converse about these things. Which is ironic, because we can discuss and debate about everything else, about whether or not you liked the new Aladdin, or whether or not you liked uh, the Avengers films, or what's going to happen in the next decade. We can debate what kind of phone is the best, or what kind of clothes looks good. But as soon as you say, well, I'm not sure Islam is, is the best in this thing, or I'm not sure even in my own Christian faith I struggle with these questions, it becomes more difficult. We get more scared, partially because a lot of those religions are tied so closely in the culture. And we don't want to make this some sort of racial thing. But Christianity, Christianity is actually not tied to culture. It is the faith that any culture can come and accept and receive and have at the same time shape their own culture to become better. And at the same time allow that cultural expression to share about how great God is in that. For us in this thing, we are learning what the power of proclaiming is Jesus is, saying, actually, how important, how vital is it for us to talk about who Jesus is? And I want to start with this verse. I think this verse probably captures the power of what the gospel is and why it's so important. In Romans 1, it says, 116, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Like, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, if you really believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news, if it is really the power of God, 
like that itself, the declaring of who Jesus is, that is the power of God. Then you begin to understand this is the power of God that gives salvation to anyone who believes. Then you would suddenly say, wow, why aren't I talking about this more? Now, parents, now, parents, I, I, for, those of you, or for those of you who have parents, you know, you know what it's like with your kids. You want them to do well academically. Um, and why I'll say this, because we are, for the most part, a uh, fairly middle-class kind of Chinese congregation which feels education is the road to success. Um, and, and so, you know, you really want your kids to work really hard, so you make them do drills, or you make them learn the times table, or you send them to classes or extra tuition. Um, you want them to be happy, too, but you also believe that happiness can be delayed for later. Um, as long as you work hard now, you will be able to enjoy your happiness later, to which, by the way, all your kids think, really? Because I look at you, mom and dad, and you don't look happy at all. <laughs> And uh, you're trying to say to them, no, it's not related to my work, though. Uh, no, um, there's this whole kind of thing where we, we, we get so caught up in saying, actually, you need to kind of work towards this kind of success, and that's going to be the answer, or that's going to be what's really good. This is saying, you know, actually, the most important thing ever that anyone could ever know is the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it gives you the gift of salvation, not, not just life in heaven, which that does come with it. But salvation means that you actually begin to have a new and amazing and wonderful life now because you begin this relationship with God. Like that is the power of proclaiming Jesus to other people. And yet we can push so hard in other directions, your academics or your success, your career or your money, but we don't understand or even think about how important it is for us to declare Jesus to talk about why he is so great. I think the word that comes out of there and really pops out to me is actually the word ashamed. This idea that you're somehow ashamed of the gospel. Now, in Chinese culture, shame is a big deal for us. I think that is pretty much how we make our kids do anything. We just shame them into it. Uh, and my friends, I think in Singapore, they say, you know, if you decide, if they sponsor you and the government sponsors you to fund your education, and then you decide you want to pull out, what they'll do is they'll put your name in the newspaper to shame you, like publicly shame you. Uh, my mom said when they were growing up in Taiwan, the, all the exam results would be printed on a wall um, with the name next to it so everyone could see how badly you did. Um, <laughs> I mean, they use that shame because everyone would work a little bit harder. Obviously, in the West, especially in this country, nah, shame is not that big. I think people boast about how much they get drunk on the, the weekend. They can't remember anything. You're like, this, this culture has no shame whatsoever. Um, but for us, we know shame so much because I think that's the primary form of communication and expression of love that we receive from our parents. Um, they use shame to kind of shape us and challenge us and move in this way. Now, that has its plus sides and its downsides. One is that it can be highly effective. Second, it can bring up a lot of other emotional and psychological issues later in their life. But our problem is when we talk about this shame with the gospel, like we're ashamed of the gospel. Now, when I was growing up, sometimes I would go out with my parents, and they would uh, take us out to eat. And the way they would look at someone else's child and say, oh, your child is so good. Look, they do all this thing. And they will turn to you and say, oh, why can't you be more like that? You are just not good at those things. Look at how wonderful this child is. Now, I know the parents do that to encourage us to work harder so that somehow me might claim the rightness of their name. Uh, but actually, as a child, you just feel like your parent is ashamed of you. 
and you feel like, I don't belong here. I don't know where I fit in. It's already hard enough when you are living in a bicultural kind of environment. You're not sure whether you're Chinese or Western and where you fit in. And so you have this sense of like, well, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in anywhere. And my parents are ashamed of me. What's funny is this is how we treat the gospel of Jesus Christ, like the good news of God. Like we look at it like, oh, the world is so good. And Jesus how, why can't you be better? I, like, sounds ridiculous, right? But that is what it's like when we're saying we're ashamed of the gospel. We're like looking at Jesus, what it means to live the faith, or the life that comes with the power of Jesus Christ, and we look at it shamefully, like we think to ourselves, this is not as good as the rest of the world. Now, this is demonstrated in how we live our lives today. What you pursue, what you desire, the way you look at this world is so focused on how good everything else is that we forget, and not just forget, we are ashamed of what it means to be a Christian, that we have this amazing good news in our life. We're ashamed of the fact that we actually have salvation and this good news for everyone else. It is shocking. I mean, it is it's funny because you think to ourselves, no, but I'm, I'm really proud to be a Christian. But are you? Are you really proud to be a Christian? I don't know about you, but normally when I, I try to soft sell Christianity to everyone, like, oh, yeah, oh. And it's really hard for me to soft sell because my full-time job is actually doing this, like being an outspoken Christian, right? So even when people ask you, what do you do? I like soft sell it. Oh, well, I'm kind of, you know, it's sort of like entrepreneurship, you know, I start this thing and I kind of run this, but actually I work for a church. Because, and I do that because I'm thinking they have all these misconceptions. But really, what I'm thinking to myself is, oh, I don't want to be that person who talks about Jesus. Because I'm ashamed a little bit, right? And you think about it, it's not I'm ashamed of Jesus, but there's something in my life which is disconnected from how good this news is. And that affects not just the way I treat other people, but when I'm doing that and I'm not speaking out and I'm ashamed of it, just a little bit silently in my heart, what that does is it makes your relationship with God slightly more awkward. Now, I'll let you kids in on a little secret. So when parents do this thing and they say, oh, why is my son not as good as this person? You know, why can't they be more like this? And as a child, you feel really bad and you just start growing this kind of uh, disappointment with your parents. Actually, what happens with the parents, I'll tell you what, I'm, as a parent now, this is what I've discovered. A parent will go home, and they will think to themselves, am I too hard? Maybe I should have been harder. Am I too, actually, am I being too hard? And there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of questioning on whether or not I'm doing the right thing as a parent. And it becomes this kind of awkward situation where, as a parent, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not ashamed of my child, and yet I feel... I feel guilty because I don't know what's the best way to do this. You understand, in this action that happens there where this parent acts like they're ashamed of their child, it begins to fracture this relationship there. And internally, it causes this turmoil. In the same way as a Christian, if you are rejecting Jesus even a little bit, you are going to cause turmoil in your own personal relationship with God. When you pray, you're going to know, oh, actually, maybe... Maybe God doesn't love me as much as he should, or maybe I'm not as loved by him. Maybe the way I speak about him means God doesn't love me anymore. In fact, when we think about this word ashamed, 
Actually, you know, the first time this kind of shows up, this shame, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and they eat this fruit that actually God had said, don't eat this, you know, because when you do this, you know, that's going to essentially separate our relationship. And as soon as they eat it, what their eyes were open, and they saw they were naked, and they were ashamed. Like they knew, actually, something is wrong. But who were they ashamed of? Were they ashamed of their naked bodies? Were they ashamed? No, they actually, they were ashamed in front of God. They knew, actually, what they had done was wrong. And it broke things. When you are ashamed of the gospel, you know, this, this gift that God's given you for salvation for everyone, like this amazing good news, when you are ashamed of that, you're kind of saying, well, I know this is really good, but I'd rather just be broken. Like, I'd rather just go back to that old kind of thinking and that old kind of life. To go back to that time when Adam and Eve were just so cut off from God and so alone. The other time we really hear about ashamed, and it comes up a, little, a few more times throughout the Bible, because there is this idea of ashamed separating us from God. And the other time I really think of is Peter, after he denies Jesus. You know, and then he hears the, the rooster crow. And then he turns and he sees Jesus and looks in the eye and he's filled with so much regret and so much shame. Like, oh my gosh, I have, I've turned against Jesus. You know, it's that sense of I have rejected the one who loves me. Now, being ashamed is just part of when it says, you know, I am, when, the, when the, Paul is trying to say in Romans, you know, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. But the other part of this is actually not just shame, but it's faithless. We actually just don't believe that our God is really that good, that he is that worthwhile, that he is that powerful, that he is that awesome. We completely lose sight of it. This, this just this week, so because I was preparing this message, I, I was really challenged because I had to ask myself, okay, Bert, you know, are you, are you actively talking about Jesus? So I even just, just think about it for your own situation. Can you think to yourself, oh, I actively talk about Jesus. Like, it's hard, right? And you can think about the situations that you're in, and you're like, this is not really awkward. Now, I might seem like an extrovert, but actually, I really love to just be by myself sometimes and not really have to interact with people, especially on the school runs, when I'm down there in the school with all the other moms. And I just like to stand there. I don't want to talk to anybody except for the one guy who likes Liverpool, and we'll talk to him about football and keep our conversations in that realm and then, and then walk home. And, uh, but there's, there's a couple people that I have been talking to, and uh, there's this one person, I was speaking to her, and then she's sharing a little bit about some of the struggles she's going to, and I was like, she already knows I'm a Christian, she knows I'm a pastor, I can't, get, can't escape from Jesus there, but I thought, oh, actually, I should really pray for this person, but of course, you know, it feels weird, right, it feels weird to say, oh, hey, can I pray for you, person who is obviously not a Christian, but I know is going through some difficult things? I don't know about you, but I was like, I have had opportunities before, but this week, because I was preaching the sermon, I was like, okay, I should really try to do something. So I did this thing where I said, actually, I asked myself, so why, why am I not able to talk about Jesus in this situation? Not just talk about Jesus. Why am I not able to share Jesus? Why am I not able to share that gospel? And I, and I realize this because I don't have faith that our God is what this person needs. Like, I, I know it. Like, in my head, I know, like, yeah, actually, this person could really use, you know, some Jesus. But actually, to f- the real faith of it, the really believing that actually what this person really needs, actually what everybody really needs is Jesus. 
above all, the gospel is good news for the salvation of everyone who believes. Like, that is amazing. Like, why should that not be the first point of call for all of us where we understand, wow, that is so good. And it's because we just don't have the faith. We just forget that actually our God is that good. And so I had to stop and I had to ask myself, okay, well, is God, are you, okay. So as soon as I pray, okay, God, are you really that good for, I have to stop my prayer because it's like, obviously, yeah, God, yeah, obviously, God, you are. Then I realized, yeah, okay, so I just, I really have to believe that if I pray for this person, that that will be good because, God, you are that good. You are really worthwhile. And that's the struggle we have, right? When we come into those situations, we stop and censor ourselves because we don't actually believe our God is actually not just that good, but that powerful. That even if we start talking about that somehow the power in proclaiming Jesus is a power that transforms lives. I want to share a little bit, um, but before then, it's, I, I will finish my story later as well, so don't worry. I will let you know what happens. But what I discovered was actually this gospel, or talking about Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, the gospel pow- is God's power demonstrated, experienced, and shared. Like the good news is this, when you are able to demonstrate in some way, when you have experienced it yourself, and when you share that out, that is God's power shared out. Like, it's not just in the words, but it's actually in the action or the receiving of those actions that go forward from that. From the beginning of time, actually, it is this, the declaration that actually Jesus is king. Proclaiming Jesus, proclaiming this gospel message is the realization that Jesus is king. And I want you to experience that. I want to demonstrate that to you. And I want to share that with the person around us. In Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 is... um, It's a perfect example of God's power demonstrated, experienced, and shared. Um, Oh, no. I deleted those slides from that passage. Okay, so that just means you don't get to see it, but I just have to read it out to you. Okay, so Acts chapter 3 is this. Um, So this is actually pretty much almost the first time Peter's coming out to share the gospel. And uh, there's this amazing kind of moment where he comes out and he's like, he sees this person begging. This person begging says, "Um, do you have any silver and gold for me? Do you have anything to give me? Uh, I I need some like alms. Can you give me some charity? And it's similar to seeing any kind of homeless or destitute person or someone with, um, you know, some sort of illness that they need some sort of help. And so there's this question. They're standing there and like, okay, actually, what can I do to help this person? And uh, Peter, and she shows up and says, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you freely. And then he says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, now this is, this is two amazing things happening. First of all, like Peter and Paul say, yeah, actually, I don't have this stuff that you think you need. But what I do have and I give freely is Jesus. I give in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Like, and at this point, this guy, and they help this guy stand up. Now, I, I like to imagine if I was this guy. So you spend your whole life begging. You cannot move. You, you've spent years here. And the Bible says he's spent years here. Everyone knows this person as a lame beggar. And he's there, and he's asking, and everything. You know how they ask, right? They don't look at everybody to say, you know, 
any spare change, any loose change, any money, any help, please. You know, and uh, here goes, I don't even look at him. In the name of Jesus, of Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. I'll be honest, if I was that guy, I'd be like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Just say you don't have any money, all right? You don't have to, don't give me this Jesus of Nazareth guy. And then they apparently then start helping him get up. And as he gets up, his legs are strengthened. And then suddenly he's standing up and leap, and it says, he took him by the right hand and raised him, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this is, this is just fantastic, right? And you have this thing where at any point, Peter could have just said, you know, my life is not about declaring Jesus or talking about how great he is. But of course, because this is the Bible, this is early in the church, he has, this is all I have, and this is all I will declare. One of our challenges in the West, and I think the Philippines team next week will share about this, is one of our challenges in the West is we have so much that we actually just don't need Jesus. Or we think we don't need Jesus. And this is the biggest fallacy. We think we don't need him because we have everything else. But the reality is we need him just as much. Maybe in different ways, but boy, do we need him. And when you look a little bit closer at the world around us, and don't just get cynical about it, what you have to end up doing is crying out for more Jesus, not just trying to do things yourself. See, it's Jesus who inspires. It's Jesus who changes hearts. It's Jesus who transforms lives. It's Jesus who turns bad people into good people. I mean, he changed us from bad people into good people, doesn't he? So it's amazing, right? So we have this thing, and you have this moment where actually the gospel, the good news, is one hand demonstrated by the healing of this guy. It is experienced by this man, experienced by everyone who saw, and from there on it gets shared. Because after this, people are like, whoa, 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 this guy, I'm sure this guy is definitely the lame guy who's outside. And then Peter starts speaking. And he turns to them and is like, hey, I'm going to stand here. I'm not going to address everyone. Hey, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Like the first thing they say, oh, oh, it's not about us. It's not about our power. In fact, it has nothing to do. We have no power. And they says, but it is Jesus. And well, he says this other stuff like, it's the guy that you guys killed, blah, 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 blah. But it's faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Like that is Romans 1, isn't it? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the good news of salvation for all who believe. And Peter is like, this is demonstrated out. Like this man is completely transformed after this. Actually, all the people who are seeing this, their lives are transformed because they see this miracle and they don't just have nothing to grasp to after seeing something that knocks them off their feet. Peter mainly says, nope, it's Jesus. And I declare his name because you all need to know and need to see that he gives this life and this power comes freely from him. Now it's at this point where... um, Oh, and there's this first. There is absolutely no shame in declaring Jesus. There is no shame. If you have given your life to Christ, you have to understand, you have, you have surrendered your life. You have nothing left to own. You, you've given it to him. And if that's the case, then there's no shame in declaring Jesus because you don't own anything anyways. 
You're not, there's no loss here. You can only give and only share about who he is. But if you think your life is still all about yourself, then talking about Jesus costs you something. It puts some risk in your life. But actually, when we belong to Jesus, you know, all that risk is gone. In fact, all the risk has been mitigated because we have a living and vibrant and powerful Savior. And so you begin to have this freedom to actually share and to say, actually, gosh, our God is so good. I mean, like, he's really, really good. And you start remembering all the times he has been good in your life. And you start remembering all the times he's been amazing in the Bible. And you start realizing, gosh, why don't I share about this more? And not just why don't I share about it, why don't I ask for this in the people around me in their life? You know, it's, it, that becomes the power of prayer and the power of proclaiming Jesus together. If you start praying, God, actually, will you let them see and experience and will you demonstrate to them, Jesus, how powerful and how good you are? Now, how's that going to happen? Yes, he might speak to them in a dream. And I, I know we all wish he'd just do it that way so we can absolve all responsibility and not do anything. But God's like, hey, I want you to be part of this story. I want you to know the great joy that comes with that. So share. Pray for them. You can pray for them silently at home, but then really say, actually, God, then use me in whatever way you can. It's at this point in Acts chapter 4 that my slides return. Um, Acts chapter 4 picks up, and Peter and uh, they're arrested. Um, so they're put in front of uh, the temple authorities, and they're kind of all standing there, and they're being accused. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, they're annoyed primarily about the resurrection of the dead. I mean, that's their theological brouhaha here. But they're really annoyed. Like, why are they talking about Jesus? Okay, yeah, because if Jesus did resurrect from the dead— that kind of throws our theological perspective out the window. Now, you think to yourself, oh, yeah, this is like Christian debating theology. This is not at all. This is the same as trying to go to a Muslim or a Hindu or a Sikh because their faith is so far different from what the Christians believe that for Peter to do this is the same kind of risk. He's being arrested because he's preaching something completely different. But he, he, he can't stop. So he's like, well, they're arresting me, but to be fair, this guy is healed now. And secondly... Uh, actually, thousands of people uh, be believed uh, because of this. Um, and then, uh, then he continues to preach. Um, and it is absolutely amazing when he starts to just talk about how great and how good God is. He starts talking about... Um, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts proclaiming this. He says, um, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead... By him, this man is standing before you well. And then he goes on, verse 12, And there is no other name, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, Peter is speaking with so much boldness and so much courage. And you think to yourself, oh, but I don't have boldness when I speak. You know what the secret was? Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know how he got filled with the Holy Spirit? Because he was emptied of everything else. He was like, actually, it is the power of God, and this is all I'm looking at. And I see what's happening here, but I, I, don't, I don't care that I'm being arrested. What an opportunity to talk about Jesus. He sees the opportunity, and he's like, God, let me be used in this. Now, in your daily life, there are opportunities aplenty to share about Christ in small and big ways, in your actions, in your attitudes, in your words, in the way you pray. 
But we miss those opportunities. And when you miss those opportunities, the Holy Spirit really wants to use you, but you're too focused on something else. Now, I'll be honest with you. I know it's really hard, okay? I know work is just so much. And the, the worst part about work is when you're in work, you can only think about work. Like, I know, you know, pastors come and say, no, you should try to think about Jesus. You're like, yeah, I'd really like to. But work just consumes. Like, there's so many problems to solve. There's so many emails to respond to. There's so many things I'm trying to figure out. How do I have space for Jesus in this? I'm not referring to students here because actually students, you have a lot of time. Um, you just choose not to use it in any productive way. Um, there, there's this moment when you're working where you have to really say, okay, you know what? I do really get lost in my work. So your prayer has to be, before you get into work each day, God, don't let me shut you out today. You know, I believe in you. Don't let me shut you out. Because God knows. God knows what's like working, okay? God knows, actually, you know, like, back then, these people were working too. They, he understands how difficult it is. So when you say, actually, God, don't let me shut you out today because I want to hear you. Can you just speak to me? All you have to do is know that he will when the opportunity comes up. But you have to be responsible at that moment to respond to him. If you sense in your heart or you feel something or you are like walking someplace and suddenly you feel and you get the sense of something like, okay, actually maybe God wants, is prompting something in my heart or you see something going on that you're like, maybe I should say something, you have to respond. Those opportunities, even the working world, those come up. And I tell you why we don't respond. Because we say, uh, it's not my business. Oh, actually, I have to do this first. Uh, oh, actually, I don't have time. I'll let you in on a little secret. Apparently, God created time, and uh, based on stuff he's done in the Bible, he pretty much owns it. So, uh, and I will also say, in most of your work life, I know you guys have probably thought you're in charge of your time, and you spend all your time working on this project, and then find out when you submit to your boss, they're like, oh, actually, I don't need this now. I was wrong. And you're like, I just, I, I thought I was in control of the situation, but you don't even care. Fine, be that way. We have all done that. And then you start realizing, actually, God, let me trust you. Because actually... Out of everything in my life, the most important thing is the gospel because it is good news of salvation for everyone who believes. That is everyone. And this world needs it so badly. I mean, the UK needs it really badly right now. I mean, Birmingham needs it really badly right now. I mean, let's just narrow it down. Actually, let's think of your workplace probably needs it really badly right now. Your manager, your managers, your employees the people who just work there, the people who clean up there. All these people need Jesus so much. Now, the, obviously the Sadducees and the chief priests are like, oh, you can't do anything with these people, you know, actually, because we actually don't have that much authority. So they get really frustrated. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Again, this is something that's saying, look, it's not about how good you are, how smart you are. What they had was the power of Jesus from the Holy Spirit empowering them. But they also had this feeling of like, well, I mean, this is what we live for, right? This is what we've been given. And then they, then they have this, they threaten them. Like, oh, yeah, it's fine, but no more. Don't talk about it anymore. Let us never hear you say that again. And Peter and John, they just respond with this. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. In other words, look, first of all, 
you're not God, so I'm obviously not going to listen to you over God, right? Okay, so first off. Second of all, we can only talk about what we have seen and heard. This is what we know. Now, I think this is the last thing. If the first thing is that we're ashamed and the second we're faithless, the last one is that we're forgetful. You have completely forgotten what God has done for you. In fact, you have forgotten how bad things really were before you were Christian. And even if you became a Christian when you were young, we think to ourselves, oh, but I've just always known Jesus. I tell you, actually, growing up in the Christian faith, God has given you so much. There's so much treasure that he has already given you that you just have to understand, wow, actually, thank you. Thank you, God, for this road. For those of us who became Christians later, it is really that moment of saying, actually, life with God is so transformative and so good and so wonderful. I, how could I forget? I can only talk about what I've seen and I've heard, what I know, what I've experienced, what I've read, and I need to be faithful in doing that because the gospel is God's power demonstrated to us that we demonstrate to others, experienced by us, that we pray for others to experience, and shared to us by someone that we share to someone else. And then you see God's power really come to life. You see God's power really flow forward in this. And the question is, have you forgotten actually how great God is? Like we can get so comfortable coming to church and sitting and listening to sermons and hearing good worship songs and singing and then going out, and we immediately forget afterwards. Fine if you don't remember the sermon, but do not forget about Jesus. Like, do not forget about what he's done to save your life. How many times you prayed to him and cried out to him. How he's transformed families. The stories that we hear from the past and you realize, wow, God is so good. You must, you must talk about what you have seen, what you have heard, and what you have experienced. Like, Peter and John, they had to. Like, I don't know about you, but we can only talk about this because we have to. Because it is amazing good news. You have to share your testimony. You must. You have to find those opportunities to do that. The gospel message is this. God telling us, Jesus is king and he gives you life. And it is us saying that same thing to the people around us. And God said it through his Bible, but not just through the words through the experiences, all those people, their experience, that demonstration of God's power time and time again, from the Ten Commandments to the parting of the Red Sea to David and Goliath to Daniel and the lions to the New Testament to the resurrection of Jesus. God has been saying, look how much I love you. Look how powerful I am. And look at how great Jesus is because he has opened the door for your relationship and me to be one. And it's the same for us. We say, well, God has done all this stuff in the past, but he's also done this in my life. And the past few years, I've experienced this. And I share that, and I share that out. So many of these young families in our church, they're like, we're dying here. And I don't know if you remember when older parents, when we were having young kids, it was really bad. And we cried out to God, God, please, I don't know if I can make this. I don't know if I can get through this day. And yet we did. And we forgot that we prayed those prayers. And for how good God is. And then you have to go and you have to encourage those people who are struggling. You say, actually, you know what? I prayed the same thing and God is so good. And I didn't think our marriage was going to make it, but it did. It's still alive, surprisingly, by the grace of God. And the people then who don't have kids now and you're like, you know, it's so bad. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know I was going to study. I didn't know if I'd ever find someone to marry. And I know you guys prayed that and now you got married. And you're like, oh, I don't remember ever praying that. And you did. 
And all the people who are singing are like, I've been praying that for my life. No one, God's never going to hear me. I'm never getting married to get older, older, blah, 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 blah. He used to say, oh, actually, I prayed that too. But it's not just about that. It's not about marriage. It's about learning how faithful and how good God is. Now, that's just within the Christian circles. You go outside, and you're talking to your other friends. You know, actually, God has done so much. You know, actually, I have so much peace. Actually, I don't fear what happens to me when I die. You know, I'm not afraid about what's going to happen tomorrow. Actually, climate change is bad, and I'm worried about it, and I'd like to make changes to make things happen. But actually, I also know that God is still sovereign. Do you know, there's so much power in Jesus that we just are not proclaiming. We are not transmitting the message that God has given us and sharing that with people around us. Because it's not about your power. It's not about how good you are, how great you speak. It is about the power of Jesus. And he is so powerful. It is, he is so good. And he has the power to change the world. And he has given us that power. The power to proclaim Jesus. The power to pray. Now, back to my story. So I was uh, talking to this uh, lady, and she's sharing to me, and it's, it's fine, it's great, you know. Um, and then I, I, I knew I was going to chicken out. So I was like, okay, God. And this is a key thing you guys can do. So I said, God, will you, will you give me an opening? Because the conversation had moved on to other stuff, and it's like, oh, I don't need to pray about this, you know, this normal life stuff, you know, whatever. So I said, okay, God, can you, can you, can you give an opportunity so that I can act on it? You know, can you, can you let me not be afraid? And I encourage you, the same thing, you know, like if you're having a conversation, and, you, and, and the conversation starts off and you're like, whoa, I could really pray for this person. And then it kind of sways away. You just start praying in that moment. You know, oh, shit, God, yeah, can you open the opportunity? Just, just let it happen. So towards the end, uh, the conversation turned back to health, and, I was, and then I was like, um, I knew that that was God, you know, give me an open door. And then, uh, of course, I was very, like, ready to not pray because it's really awkward. It's really awkward, and there's so many things. And then I just kept remembering, oh, it just, it just means I just don't believe in you, Jesus. I, I really don't believe that somehow me praying for this person is going to make any difference. But it's not about my power. If our God is really God Almighty, if he is really Jesus, Savior of the world, if this really is good news for the salvation of all people, then I better say it. I better just take that. There's so little risk to me. So I said, oh, can I, can I pray for you? And, uh, you know, the normal response is, oh, uh, yeah. And then before they can, like, back out, I say, okay, let me pray. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you don't want to... I don't want them to say, oh, yeah, you can just pray for me at home. So I'm going to do it right now. I've already gotten this far. And um, so I, 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 pray for, I pray for her. And uh, when I finish praying, she's, she's like, she's crying. And I was like, what? This is like, I mean, I, well, I'm not that good friends with this person. But it, it is this amazing thing where you start realizing, actually, the power that we have is not in that. It is saying, God, I proclaim you because you are so good in this person. Everyone needs to know you. And then you get the chance to see God actually working in someone else's life. You have robbed yourself of those opportunities because you do not proclaim Jesus. You want to see Jesus at work? Then you've got to talk about him. And then you can see him unfold. The amazing thing is once you do it the first time, it becomes easier. Because you're like, okay, yeah, actually, God, yeah, you're, you are right. My mentality is wrong. And the more you do that, the more faith you realize that our God is so good, the more you also have the ability to say, actually, I proclaim Jesus in my own life. 
Satan can try to attack me, but he's wrong. He's stupid because our God is amazing. And I'm not a failure. I don't have to be ashamed of anything because our God loves us so much. You know, even the hardships I'm enduring, that does not compare because our God is so good. The more you proclaim out, actually the more it will strengthen your own faith to prepare you for other hard times in the future. There are a couple quotes kind of end this one. This is from Charles Stanley. It says, his voice leads us not into timid discipleship, but into bold witness. I mean, that's really the challenge for us. And we are not just into timid discipleship. We are here for bold witness. George Whitefield says, A true faith in Jesus Christ will not suffer us to be idle. No, it is an active, lively, restless principle. It fills the heart so that it cannot be easy till it is doing something for Jesus Christ. And when you are really a living disciple, you will not just be like drifting along on a boat. You have to say, actually, no, God, my heart is restless and I need to do something for you. Because it's in that expression outward that you begin to have this new sense of peace. And if you're not sure what that is, then you have to say, okay, well, let me just try stuff. And let me try things that are not in my necessary comfort zone. But let Jesus, I want your name to be shared. Just use me in whatever way you can. Horatio Bonar says, Uncertainty as our relationship, uncertainty as your relationship with God is one of the most enfeebling and dispiriting of things. It makes a man heartless. It takes the pith out of him. He cannot fight. He cannot run. He's easily dismayed and gives way. He can do nothing for God. But when we know that we are of God, like when we know that we actually belong to him, when we know how great and powerful our God is, we are vigorous, brave, invincible. There is no more quickening truth than this of assurance. If you are struggling, if you feel like this enfeebled, pithy kind of Christian, then you start with prayer and say, God, I know that you have the power. So let the power of the gospel fill my heart so that I move forward with that kind of authority. And the last quote, just to end us off with, from Albert Moeller, is at the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to, obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. Like if, that's the biggest obstacle. If you're not willing to say anything about how great our Jesus is, then how is someone going to hear? Do we really want to wait for the rocks to cry out? Because I have a feeling with the rocks crying out, that's basically earthquakes that scare people to death. So they come crying out to Jesus that way. I would rather be part of God's work in speaking out now and taking the opportunities and saying, God, let me listen to you each day because, God, you are so good. You are so powerful. And I am completely underrating you right now. Let your eyes and your heart and your mind and your soul be completely shifted away from this view that somehow... The more stuff we have that makes us more comfortable makes us better. Because actually holding on to Jesus, that lets us see what real life really looks like. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we proclaim your name. You are king, you are savior, you are ruler. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the one who gives us salvation. You are good news for all who believe. God, you have helped us in so many circumstances, in so many ways. You have opened so many doors. We've prayed so many prayers. And sometimes they're really dumb prayers, and you're wise enough not to answer them, but you give us something better instead. 
You have called us out of darkness, and we have experienced this glorious light, that joy that overtakes us. Lord, there's this living, breathing, dynamic relationship because you are a living God. And yet, we sometimes act as if we are so ashamed of you. God, somehow that we, like, we don't even want to talk about you. Or even worse, that we don't care enough about people that we think that they need you. Lord, Lord, show us. Teach us. And Lord, we come first and we just repent and say sorry. Sorry for just being ashamed of you. But Lord, let, let the love that we say we have for you, the love that we sing out in these songs, let that living love and living relationship be seen in our conversations with everyone. Let them be seasoned with salt so that even the unbelievers will say, wow, there's a God there that I want to follow. We come now and we worship you, Lord. And even as we do this, begin putting in our uh, hearts if there is names of people that you want us to be praying for. Just to be lifting up and saying, Jesus, you declare your truth. You let them experience, let us demonstrate, let us share the gospel of good news to them. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's come and worship. Shall we stand? feel like sharing a testimony actually um, I was listening to Bert and I'm like God should I share this and I feel like God really wants to encourage you today um, about reaching out in your in your friends in your workplaces so how many let me just ask how many of you thought of praying for a co- colleague or a co-worker or a friend uh, how many of you thought of it but you just uh, you didn't act on it how many of you thought of that just thought of that the hands up alright so uh, so um, I've been there many times at my workplace uh, some of you are my colleagues actually <laughs> um, uh, and sometimes I pray when I feel like it sometimes I'm like oh, I just I just chicken out but there were times where I pray and actually it didn't happen like I prayed for healing it didn't happen at my workplace but um, last Monday actually um uh, I have a colleague that was suddenly feeling very ill so she was all pale her lips were all pale and uh, I said oh you should really go home so uh, so she's like okay this is what I'm going to do and uh, I'm going to go home now but um, for some of you you know I just came back from the Philippines with a bunch of you uh, doing mission trips so over there we're just like every single person you have an issue come let's pray come let's pray like there's no doubt because maybe there's no people are just open to prayer you know so when I say, okay, goodbye, when I send her home, I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I think to myself, why am I not praying for her? Why am I praying for everyone in the Philippines and someone in my office is so sick and I don't pray for her? So it was just a split second. I just say, hey, uh, can I have five minutes? So uh, I put her into a room. Uh, it's an open glass door like that. So don't worry. It was not just two percent. Um, and I just say, 
can I pray for you? Um, and she's, she's like, yeah. I think most, pe- most of your friends, if you say, can I pray for you? They will say yes, because why? You have a relationship with them. You know, we're not talking about strangers yet. We want to go there one day, but most of the friends, if, they, if, if you say, can I pray for you? I feel like they, they will say yes. So um, I say, can I pray for you? She's like, yeah, okay. But in that, yeah, I can see she has no context about Christianity, no context about what prayer is. So I'm like, okay, in Chinese, I need to present the whole gospel. So I was like trying to find my words. Uh, she's Chinese, by the way. Um, and I say, yeah, and, and I start sharing testimony about Philippines, which we will do next week, so please come for it. Um, there's crazy miracles happening out there that, that we prayed for. And I said, oh, this is why I show her some videos. And like, in the end, I'm like, can I pray for you now? And she's like, okay, yeah. So uh, I, I share Mark, uh, ch- Mark chapter 16 that says lay hands. So I actually lay hands. And after that, I thought maybe it was a bit inappropriate. But I lay hands and I pray for her discomfort. I say, where's the discomfort? She said her chest feels very heavy, her throat. So I pray in Jesus' name be, be healed in the office. So I want you to think about your workplaces now as well as God inspired you. And then after I prayed, I say, how, how, did, how, how do you feel now? And she said, uh, I don't know what it's psychology, but I feel much better now. And I'm like, whoa, really? Uh, so I always ask people, like, before I pray, if the, if the discomfort or the pain was 10 and zero is no more, why is it now? You know what she said? She said four. I'm like, what? From 10 to four by just praying? I'm like, okay, then I think, the normal times in, in church setting or in Philippines or a mission trip, I would like pray second time. Come on, right? I just prayed one time, became four. So I'm like, okay, can I pray one more time? Uh, so I pray again in the office. Uh, and then she's like, I'm, I'm feeling so good right now. Like, I said, how much is it? One or two, she said. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. This is Jesus. And I just don't know where the bonus comes. Like I share, there's many times that I chicken out, but this time I just don't know. I just, I just went for it. And uh, I said, do you want to know Jesus? Um, and she said, yeah. So I, like, I prayed with her at the office. Say, follow after me. And then we pray to receive Jesus. And she's actually going to come this evening, so I probably won't share this evening. <laughs> um, yeah, and the uh, second day, we got Amazon Prime, got a Bible, give it to her, uh, door language. So, so yeah, I feel like this happened this week, just, at, just as Bert shared. So I feel like God really wants, just, we need to recognize that God is doing something among us. So, as we, as we come to worship, I want you to, you know, open, just open up. Be open to God and say, God, uh, you are really powerful. You are really powerful. Like, like the sermon, it's not about our power. It's about what Jesus, it's about Jesus' power. Amen. So as we sing, you know, um, the song we're going to sing is, uh, There's Power in the Name of Jesus. And as we sing, I want to break every chain, every chain of fear, every chain of Intimidity, any chain of shame or feeling of shameless, break that today so that all of us imagine just look around here now. Just look around like if, if every one of you share about Jesus or pray for one person this week, the next Sunday. We don't even have time for all of you to share. But that's amazing, isn't it? Amen. So let's let's pray before we start. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for the sermon. I thank you for Bert's friend that you touched through, her, through his prayer and, and my, my colleague. 
that you touch through my prayer, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts this today, Lord, that, that you will truly challenge us to believe in the power of Jesus and what you've done in the resurrected power of Jesus. So God, we give you our hands and our feet this morning, Lord. And as we sing, we want to break off, Lord, every chain of shame, every chain of fear, God, so that we can rise up, Lord, for you, Lord. Amen.